Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Welcome to Apple Turnover for June 16th, 2023. The Mets were off yesterday, and today we'll be playing the first of a three-game series against the St. Louis Cardinals. One of our other FFSN podcasts, Meet Me at Musial, is hosted by a gentleman named Daniel Shoptaw, and Daniel was kind enough to have me on his show to talk about the Mets and the Cardinals series. And so we're going to bring you the audio from that for today, since I have nothing really too new to say since the Mets didn't play today. So enjoy this show. Go to homerunapplesauce.com or patreon.com slash homerunapplesauce. Follow me on Twitter at Brian Needs an App. And until next time, let's go Mets. And thanks again for the invitation, Daniel. Hey, Brian. How are you doing this morning? I am doing well. It's a beautiful day here in New Jersey. I've had my coffee. All is right in the world. <laughs> well, uh, with these two teams, I don't know if we can go that far or <laughs> well, not. Um, they're not playing today. So the Mets, <laughs> all is right in the Mets world because they're not playing today. So that is fair. Um, you know, Cardinal fans have have dealt with a a very disappointing team all year long. But when when disappointing teams are bandied about, it feels like the Cardinals and the Mets are kind of clumped together at some point in time. What's going on with the Mets right now? Oh, if I had an answer to that, Dan, I would be able to uh, make a lot of money (laughs) by selling the response to the uh, the Mets team. No, there's a couple of things going on with the Mets. The first is that they built a team that is very much uh, the sort of the cornerstone of it is older starting pitching. Mm -hmm. They have Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, um, Carlos Carrasco, Kodai Senga. None of these are young men and injuries have been a problem. There was a time early in the year when four-fifths of the projected starting rotation was on the injured list. And so what that meant was that the Mets were getting a lot of starts out of subpar starting pitching, and more than that, they were getting a lot of short starts out of subpar starting pitching. So the Mets' bullpen was taxed incredibly hard early on in the season, and that has become a an issue that is continuing now, even though their starting pitching is, is healthier and is going a little bit longer the the bullpen is just they've thrown so many innings so far that they are just not at the sharpness that they were 
you know, in in April and in early May. And so that puts the entire team behind the eight ball when the starters aren't going long enough and the bullpen is taxed. On top of that, the Mets have just had an incredibly inconsistent offensive season. The only player that has been truly consistently offensively is Pete Alonso, and he's in week one and a half of a four week likely uh, injury list, injured list stay uh, after getting hit on the hand by a ball last week. So the Mets are without any sort of real offensive firepower, aside from a couple of young players, which we can talk about in a few minutes. But it just seems like the inconsistency of the offense and the age of the starting rotation have have created this domino effect that has just made them an incredibly frustrating team. And, you know, unlike the Cardinals, who I mean, I know the Cardinals have had a couple of stretches where they haven't looked so bad, but the Mets have had a couple of incredible hot patches that then get cold water just poured on them instantly. And it seems like they cannot recover when those when those little hiccups happen. It they just turn into these disasters. And so the Mets just came out of a terrible one and nine stretch where they were getting swept by clearly inferior teams. And you know, they were playing the Braves, who are a great team. And they had a three run lead on the Braves three days in a row and lost all three of those games. So just heartbreaking losses uh, as of late. But, you know, as we were recording this, the Mets came back one in extra innings yesterday against the Yankees and. As any sports fan of any stripe will tell you, a big win can sometimes be an injection of hope and uh, optimism for a team. And so I think we're all of us here in Metsland are hoping that last night was the start of something good. But we're also all realistic enough to know it's probably not the case. <laughs> yeah, I, it was just last week the Cardinals had, of course, they had in another in another rough patch, but had won the last game against um, Texas, and then a day off I had beaten the Reds and had what should have been their best pitcher on the mound the next day. And everybody was feeling pretty good. And then they haven't won since. So um, <laughs> yeah. that, that is the way of baseball these days. So what has gone right for the Mets? Has anything gone right for the Mets? Yes. A couple of things have gone right for the Mets. The, the thing that I, I think is the most optimistic is the emergence of their catcher, Francisco Alvarez. Alvarez last year was the consensus top prospect in baseball. And the Mets were very, very slow to bring him up last year. People were calling for it all season, and he was tearing up AAA, first AA and then eventually AAA. And eventually the Mets brought him up in the last week of the season against the Braves, and the kid just looked overmatched. I mean, the Mets were in the middle of a playoff hunt, and they're asking him to come in. He came in. He had, I believe it was the final at bat in one of the games against the Braves, the Mets lost, just putting a ton of pressure on the kid. And so this season, the, the mantra was going to be, we're not going to rush Alvarez. We're going to we're going to take our time with him. And the Mets actually, they, they signed a free agent catcher in Omar Narvaez, and they extended their backup Tomas Nito for two years with the idea of there's no timetable on Alvarez. He will tell us when he's ready. Well, both Narvaez and Nito got hurt, and Alvarez came up, uh, <laughs> I think, three weeks into the season. But he has proven to be an incredibly, surprisingly mature player already. First of all, he has a ton of natural power. He's hit some absolute bombs, uh, specifically pulling the ball. But he's hit a couple the other way also. But he, when he pulls the ball to left field, it's just it's it's an explosion off the bat. And the but the most surprising part and the best part of this is that 
he has turned into a capable defensive catcher. The word on him for years was that he was going to be a hacker behind the plate and would be great offensively, but he would be, you know, not to expect much defensively. And he has been the exact opposite of that. He's been probably the Mets' best defensive catcher this season, uh, so much so that they released Tomas Nito, who they had signed to that extension, because they just didn't have room for him because Alvarez is so thoroughly taken that job. Um, there was a rumor a few weeks ago that they were going to send Alvarez down and a number of pitchers on and off the record came out and said, we, they don't want the Mets to do that. You know, uh, There was an anonymous source that I would bet my mortgage is Max Scherzer, who said, basically, this kid is an incredible catcher. We love throwing to him. He is mature by, beyond his years. Please don't send him down. And so when a rookie gets that kind of support from a veteran staff, that's just a great sign. So to me... Alvarez has been by far the story. But the other story is that the Mets are, you know, f for a long time, the Mets have been a, a franchise that was based around pitching. I mean, going back to Tom Seaver and Doc Gooden and, you know, um, Al Leiter, Johan Santana, R.A. Dickey, these great pitchers that have pitched for the Mets, they've never really built a sustainable long term core of position players. But it seems like right now, the Mets are going to be fielding uh, a, a very homegrown, very capable uh, offensive team between Alonzo at first, McNeil at second, Nimmo in center, Alvarez behind the plate. Uh, you throw Brett Beatty, another rookie, in there at third base. And it seems like the Mets are finally really realizing this vision of a homegrown uh, offensive baseball team. So I wish it didn't come at the expense of homegrown starting pitching but that sort of is where the team is right now um so yeah to me to me that's been the benefit of the season thus far obviously you know Mets fans Cardinal fans we sit around right now and complain that the um front office didn't do enough in the off season um <laughs> that they didn't want to spend money blah 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 um that's not a complaint that Mets fans can usually <laughs> no throw it is around, not <laughs> at least with a straight face so I mean what are what is is it just is it really focused if if there's and I know there is because there's fans it's the angst and everything that's around is it focused on the players then more directly uh, well, so here's the Mets situation, which is very strange. So, you know, the Mets had one of the worst owners in baseball in the Wilpon mm -hmm. family for many, many years. And that w the team was sold to Steve Cohen a couple seasons ago. And Steve Cohen has been as uh, fan-friendly of an owner as you can possibly imagine. He spends money on the team. He does really great stuff. He brought back Old Timers Day at the ballpark. He has retired more numbers in, the, in his tenure than the Wilpons did in theirs, essentially. You know, he's just he's doing a lot of things that the fans wanted to see. And so players or uh, fans rather are very happy with the ownership. But the Mets were not able to find a president of baseball operations for two off seasons in a row. And so their GM, Billy Epler, who used to be with the uh, Angels and had a stint in the Yankees front office, sort of felt like the 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 booby prize for GMs for the Mets and so I think a lot of a lot of fans are unhappy with just how Epler has done things around the margins of the team like no one can no one can be mad you know they wanted a top line starting pitcher after Degrom left they went out and they got Justin Verlander you know they added uh, Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana who hasn't thrown a pitch for the Mets yet but that's a whole other story um, you know, they really did bolster their rotation they brought in people that they felt were good. I think that the free agent signings, they're happy with. What they're not so happy with is the fact that Tommy Hunter was ineffective for most of the season but remained part of the bullpen. 
They're not happy with the, with the with the multiple catcher situation that you know saw the Mets basically have a, a third catcher for no real reason, with no intention of playing three catchers on the team. So I think that they are they're a little bit upset about the roster management side of it, but mostly I think right now Mets fans are mad at Buck Showalter, their manager, and you know I don't think there's a single manager in baseball who has full fan support for the entire season. <laughs> it's just the nature of, of our uh, of our sport to uh, to be criticizing the manager. But Showalter is very good in a number of things. Bullpen management has never been one of them. And this season, there's been a number of instances where the bullpen management has cost them games um, and sometimes cost them series. And that that is very frustrating. And then there's a couple of players that I think, you know, are getting the ire of the fan base right now. Daniel Vogelback, the designated hitter, has been very cold. And the Mets are apparently not playing him for a few days to give him a rest, which is also frustrating because that means they're down a man on the bench. And because of a suspension for sticky stuff that happened the other night, they're also down a man in the bullpen. So effectively, their 26-man roster is a 24-man roster at this point. And uh, people are frustrated by that, which is an understandable frustration. But yeah, I would say the majority of the Mets scorn right now is targeted towards Buck Showalter. Hmm. And that's, that is very interesting. I mean, not surprising, I guess, to, to, to do, but uh, knowing how, how lauded Showalter was, it felt like last year, at least in yes. national media, if nothing else, uh, to, to turn it, see it turn on. And I'd say it's surprising to see it turn on a dime. But we've seen the same thing in St. Louis, you know. So right, exactly. <laughs> not too surprising yeah. at all. No, I, I, I really think that uh, if a manager get if a manager has a great year, there's almost a law of averages that says next year they're going to be dragged through the press at every turn. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Um, just looking, uh, you know, I just kind of pulled up the Nemet stats just to then a glance through them, and you know what stood out, of course, is. Max Scherzer being human a little bit, it seems like. Is that yeah. is that, you know, a couple bad games or is there something just, you know, age actually catching up with Max? Um I'm going to uh <laughs> I'm gonna say time will tell, which is a cop out answer. I recognize <laughs> that that is me taking the least uh, interesting opinion here on your show. But what I'll say is this I, I think that Scherzer is aging a bit. Um you know, it is he is certainly not the pitcher he was a year or two ago, but he also battled some injuries this season. He had that weird suspension for uh, sticky stuff, which was was lauded, was, you know, uh, lambasted by the baseball media, especially uh, David Cohn did a great demonstration on Sunday Night Baseball where he showed just using rosin and water and sweat how sticky your hand can get. So it's been a weird season for Scherzer, but what's alarming to me is that he he hasn't been able to get into any sort of rhythm. You've seen him have a great start, and then the next start, he can't finish the fourth inning. Um, he just seems like he hasn't been in a rhythm. So I, I would say that given three or four more starts like he's had so far, I will point to age being an issue here. Um, until then, I'm I am... I'm hopeful because you know, Scherzer is is of a talent level, and you've certainly seen this with guys like Carpenter and Yadi Molina. The really great players tend to age slower than the average player does, mm. you know. Um, but every now and then, that aging curve speeds up real quick, and it becomes not a curve <laughs> but a cliff, and they just fall off of it. I don't think Scherzer is there yet. 
but I understand the concern that he may be inching closer to that every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with pitchers, especially you're just, I mean, the guy like him, you're just going to see a few more bad starts here and there as, as time goes on. That's what you're hoping at least, right? That, right. You know, right. At, at some point in time, he goes from 80% great starts to 65% great starts to 50% great starts. Not right. You know, can't ever get it out. So, um, but the, yeah, that is, that is something interesting. Um, with lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Also, you have old Cardinal friend Tommy Pham on, on the yeah. roster as, as Tommy has floated around the league. What is What are t- Mets fans thinking about Tommy? So I, 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 will, I will fully eat crow here. Um, when they signed Tommy Pham, I said, oh my goodness, this is the guy I wanted least on the team. I did not think that his skill set was particularly a good match for the Mets. He also has a reputation of being a bit of an odd guy in the clubhouse. Mm. You know, there was the fantasy football incident (laughs) incident from a few years ago. Um, And he started off the year very cold. And a lot of players, a lot of fans were expecting him to be one of the first DFA players. However, Pham has turned it on the last month or so. He had a real big hit in last night's game that drove in the first run. And he just seems to be putting together a solid season as a part-time player. And one of the the Mets' struggles this offseason was they wanted to bring in a fourth outfielder, but the guys they wanted to go after, uh, specifically Andrew McCutcheon was one of them, all wanted more playing time. And Pham was one of the few who would sign with the idea of it being a limited position. And he has been thriving in that position as of late. You know, I don't think his outfield defense is what it once was. I don't know if his contact rate is what it once was, but he still has some power. He can still play a competent outfield. 
And with a, with a team that doesn't have a regular designated hitter right now and is having some injury concerns, FAM's flexibility has been a really, really nice boon um, to the Mets. I have to ask you, as somebody who watched him for many years, is his reputation as a sort of strange guy, is that merited? Did he earn that reputation? Any man that can say, when I was stabbed the first time, is <laughs> is a unique individual. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, Fam is a guy, and and when you said that he came, he was willing to come in without basically a guaranteed spot. That feels like the best kind of role for Tommy Fam because he plays with a chip on his shoulder. I think better than any anybody else. Um, he's he's his own guy, and he's not he's not necessarily eccentric or you know he's just you know. He's in his own world. I don't know. Sometimes I think he, you know, kind of sometimes plays mad or something like that. But uh, he is he is different than anybody else. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I, I know what's interesting though is you know for usually when when there's a player like that, you'll hear clubhouse reports about him not being a great teammate or something mm-hmm. along those lines. But I never heard that with him with the Cardinals. He seemed like he was well liked in the clubhouse at least. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously he wore out a bit of a welcome with the front office. I think. Um, there was not that they ever said that, but there was like, I think one of those interviews with the athletic or something like that. One of those, you know, where he was kind of lambasting the front office a little bit, or, you know, complaining about, they never gave him opportunities and such of that nature, which, I mean, there's, there's an argument to be made that Tommy Pham's progression up the minor leagues was not what you would have expected it to be, um, mm-hmm. that he didn't get called up quite as fast as he should have. Um, but I, th- I do think he probably wore out his welcome with front office before he wore out his welcome with his teammates. Because, yeah, I never heard anybody necessarily complain about him. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, clubhouse is a pretty close thing. You don't typically get too many of those, you know, this guy's terrible type of things from the players. But Right. Um, Sometimes on the way out the door, you hear that yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, didn't really didn't really notice that. So, yeah, it it is interesting to me how, how he has kind of bounced around since leaving St. Louis. Um and it made me wonder if he was, you know, one of those guys you liked in small doses, but it may just be the the nature of the game right now, especially at, at the age that he's at and the kind of player he is. He's not going to get long-term security. Right. Um, let's go ahead and look at this series that we've got starting um, Friday. Uh, it's two teams that somebody's got to win. Um, which is, which is always good, I guess. Uh, when you see the Cardinals on the schedule this year, like, you know, when you look at a week or two ago, Mm -hmm. what are you thinking as you see that? Well, you know, I, I, there is something that I don't know if this is a phrase that is known in St. Louis, but this is a phrase that Mets fans throw around a lot, which is the Cardinals devil magic. Oh yes. Yes. (laughs) So I, I, I instantly get fear in my heart because I am aware (laughs) of Cardinals devil magic. Um, you know, there, there are certain players that just you, you cannot look at without bad memories popping into your collective fan base's head. And Adam Wainwright is one of those people. Um, the Adam Wainwright curveball that ended the 2006 <laughs> season will never not live in infamy for the Mets. And so on, on one hand, I do have a um, a sort of knee-jerk reaction that I don't like playing the Cardinals because the Cardinals just tend to do good things against the Mets. And the Cardinals are an organization that, you know, for as f- – in terms of modern baseball, they are one of the premier organizations in 
developing and retaining their top flight talent. And I always respect an organization that can do that. So, you know, um, however, I know how this season has gone for the Cardinals. And so I, I don't have the sort of abject fear I would have in a, in a different year. Um, but I, I am not pleased that uh, – not pleased is, is probably strong. I wish we were facing the other part of the lineup – of the rotation, rather. Like we're getting um, uh, Wainwright – we're, 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 like, I would I would feel better if we were getting Flaherty and Montgomery, essentially. It, that's interesting to say, because I think until the last start by Jack Flaherty, you can make an argument that Flaherty and Montgomery were probably the better pitchers that the Cardinals have had this year. Uh, Miles Michaelis is now, I mean, he, he blew up against the Reds this last time, but before that has finally kind of found his groove. And I would say it's probably the, the number one starter on this team for mm-hmm. whatever that's worth. Um, but, and you've got Matthew Liebertor, who is a young guy, you know, that's, he's the, the starter in the third game. who's a young guy that can have good games, but you know, he's still, still fighting his way. And then you get Adam Wainwright in the middle and Adam Wainwright is not Adam Wainwright. I, I hate to say that it, 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 it kind of hurts me to the core. Um, but you know, he's a guy that people, he, he doesn't strike people out and, the ball gets put in play a little bit more often and the defense behind him isn't as good. And so far the results have been, he's, he's better than he started out the season. He's kind of finding his groove because he started the injured on the injured list, but I don't know that he's the guy that has tormented Mets for the rest of their life. Now it doesn't mean he can't find that guy for one more outing for sure. Sure. Um, sure. But you know, it's not, I think Cardinal fans, you know, we talked about Max Scherzer a little bit earlier and about, you know, age and all that kind of stuff. It's really hard not to see that age has kind of caught up with Wainwright. And I mean, and he never had the, you know, overwhelming stuff that, that Max Scherzer did. So, um, you know, and and I say that he'll go out and, you know, be dominant, but I I feel like it's fair to say that it's not what he used to be. Sure. And and that's fair. Um, The reason that I, I don't, that I wanted to face Flaherty is just that I I, I don't watch a ton of Cardinals baseball mm-hmm. because of the way the schedule works out, but I've seen that Flaherty seems like a guy where if if a team gets to him early, he sort of breaks down. Is that a fair assessment? Like I'm, you know, looking at his his game log for this season, mm-hmm. there's a number of games where you know he gave up six runs, ten runs, five runs. It seems like. Right. Every now and then, he just he just manages to sort of melt down. And the Mets tend to do well against those type of players. The Mets tend to be a team that if they if they can smell blood on the water, they can really put a hurt on a starting pitcher. I think that's fair. I think if if Flaherty's on, he's on, and it's very you know he'll go six or seven, you know, six, yeah, probably six or seven, and you know give up a run or two maybe if that. If he's not, he probably doesn't make it through the fifth. Yeah, okay. uh, you know it's 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 somewhat all or nothing with him and and lately it's been pretty good mm-hmm. um but you know it's not necessary it's still to the point where um if flaherty goes out on the mound you kind of hold your breath a little bit um and see which which flaherty you're gonna get yeah um so let's talk about yours the the pitching side on your on the mets side of things you have yeah uh, Trevor mcgill and, and saying and um carrasco are going for the for the mets yeah, so he, he, the good news for uh, for Cardinals fans is that Scherzer and Verlander are not going. Mm-hmm. 
uh, <laughs> against, yep. against you folks. Uh, Tyler McGill is a, a player who was supposed to be the Mets' sixth or seventh option out of the rotation this year, but the injury in the preseason to Jose Quintana has made him be essentially the fifth starter of the whole season. And McGill is a guy who I think will one day thrive in a bullpen role. He just cannot – if he is facing a lineup a second or third time, the results are usually not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he he's he has had a couple of good starts this season. I'm not, I'm not trying to take away everything he's done, but he has been rough to watch at, at times. And so that does not give me – especially against Michaelis, that does not give me a great feeling for Friday night's mm-hmm. game. However, uh, the next two starters are could, are really interesting. Uh, Kodai Senga, obviously him over from Japan this season – and has been up and down, but Senga, when Senga is on, and he tends to be on at City Field, he likes pitching in City Field. When that ghost fork pitch is working, he is so much fun to watch pitch. And so I, I, I really like Senga a lot. I think that they are working him. They're trying to find ways to give him a little extra rest because you know in, in Japanese baseball there is typically not a four day rest period. It is usually at least five days, if not six, if not seven sometimes. So. Um, you know, now they're trying to work on a little bit extra rest for Senga. He's pitching at home. I would feel good about that. And then Carlos Carrasco was hurt for the first bit of the season, but has looked much better, much stronger coming out. But he he still has this um, he has this propensity to melt down in the fifth and sixth innings. And this is where Buck Showalter's bullpen management really doesn't come into play. If if I were managing the team. As soon as the fifth inning started, I would have a, a pitcher warming up in the bullpen. Whether or not I go to him or not, Carrasco's just recent performance has shown that he hits a wall in the fifth or sixth inning. And so um, and that that is becoming, to my eyes, a more common thing with starting pitching in baseball, um, which I don't love. I, I, I long for the days of seven and eight inning starts, but I, yeah. I fear we're never going to get there again, or at least not for some time. So, um, yeah, t- to me, I-, I-, I think that Senga is going to put up the best numbers uh, over the weekend. And I-, 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 I see this going, I would see the pitching matchup favoring the Cardinals in game one, the Mets in game two, and being kind of a coin flip in game three. I don't know how you feel about that. I think that's fair. I think that that's that would be pretty close to what I would say as well. And then, you know, it's going to depend on you know, as, as both teams, you know, trying to figure out if how much of it is the pitchers are being good and how much of it is the offense being bad. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the that's, eternal question. Yeah. It's always, always difficult to figure that out um, because, you know, both lineups are very, you know, have a lot of, you know, long ball power and, and things of that nature, but that can be short circuited pretty easily. So um, yeah, I, I, it's very interesting. We've kind of, you know, a lot of times two fans get together and they're trying to one up their, you know, each other from their teams. And we're like trying to say, no, my team's worse than your team is, you know, this is, how, <laughs> you know, we've got, we got more problems than you do, uh, that kind of thing. So um, I, I think it's only fair because I did, I ended my last one the same way. And you've already mentioned the Adam Wainwright curveball. So it's only fair for me to ask you, what is your favorite Cardinal Mets memory? Favorite Cardinal Mets memory. Um. Oh, I have. To, I, I if I had known this question was coming, I could fact check myself here. I want to say it was a twenty inning game mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. played in. Yes. Was it oh oh five oh six somewhere in that in that range? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, actually, maybe ten. 
Oh, was it was it that late? Okay, yeah. I, I I can't. I remember where I was watching it, but I lived in that same place for seven or eight years, so it's <laughs> it's hard to target exactly what happened. But it was one of those days where it was it was a a Fox game, if I recall correctly, a national mm-hmm. broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the first couple innings, and then I had to go do something. And I came back for like the eighth inning. I thought, I'll go watch the last couple innings. And I watched a couple more innings. And I had to go do something else. And I left the house again. And I came back. And the game was still going. And, you know, it wasn't a great baseball game by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is something very, uh, very just baseball specific about a game that can go that long. You know, no other sport really stretches out that way. So I enjoy that. And, you know, um, but the Cardinals have had the Mets number for for a very long time. Um, but you know, I, I also I don't feel the animosity of the of the Cardinals that other Mets fans do because so I am forty one years old. I do not remember much of the eighties Mets. I mean, I remember specific mm-hmm. little things here and there. But I know in the eighties the Cardinals just spanked the Mets on a regular basis. And so Mets fans that are maybe five or six years older than I am, they really they really disliked the Cardinals, especially because of the way that the the divisions were broken up, right. you know, then. Whereas for me, in my fandom, the Braves are the team that I will uh, dream about beating, you know, uh, every night. But yeah, uh, do you have a particular, I mean, aside from the curveball, do you have another uh, Cardinals-Mets memory that, that is happy for you? Uh, I'll have to think. Uh, by the way, just I pulled it up. It is. It was April seventeenth, twenty ten. Okay, two to one in a basically seven hour game. And I remember because yeah. I watched that game as well. But I also had just recently gotten uh, the iPod Touch or whatever. So okay. it was right after I had gotten MLB uh, TV <laughs> or whatever they were calling it at the time. Yeah, yeah, back when you could probably watch a lot more stuff than you can now. Um, and I watched the Cardinal game on the main TV, but I was keeping track because that was the same day that Obaldo Jimenez threw his no hitter for the Rockies. Oh yeah. And you can watch the whole no hitter in the time that it took, you know, you, you the Mets game started, Mets Cardinals started before that the Rockies threw a whole no hitter in the middle of it. And then the Cardinal game was still going on. So, yep. <laughs> uh, it, you know, two pitch, two guys, uh, Joe Mather and, oh, I can't remember who the other Felipe Lopez, I think, you know, pitched the 19th and 20th for the Mets. It was, yeah, you know, kind of a crazy game. Um, I also expected you to say that Johan Santana, no hitter. Um, well, see, the reason that I didn't say that is because I thought you were going to say it wasn't a no hitter. I would have, yes. <laughs> so I was, I was tempering my expectation uh, because of that. Um, I was over here making air quotes. You just couldn't see it. So I, I figured that. Um, <laughs> what's unfair about that? And and look, I will, I will fully admit that when you watch that replay now. It hit the line, right? We're all aware of that now. However, many other teams have no hitters that would have been sim- that would have been similarly discounted, but there wasn't as many cameras in the ballpark when they were thrown. Mm-hmm. The Mets are a, a relatively young franchise, and for a franchise that has had such great starting pitching, the fact they only have one traditional no hitter and one combined no hitter mm-hmm. to their credit is sort of insane. Um, when you think that Tom Seaver, Doc Gooden, right. uh, you know, Jerry Kuzman, these players never threw a, a, uh, a no hitter for the team is, is sort of insane. But I, I think there are plenty of other no hitters that would have been similarly disregarded had there been the technology at the time. Um, and I don't think we, I don't think anybody would make a huge deal about it. 
I mean, maybe we still would, but but the fact that it was the first one in the Mets history, so yes, um, that brought a lot more attention to it. Um, actually, you know, now that we're talking about it, I will talk about how much fun that game was. So, I, I that's actually that's the day before my birthday. So, I was at the next. I have been to the game after both Mets no hitters because uh, I had I had tickets on my birthday, but I was I was out at a work dinner and it was at a particularly stodgy restaurant. It was a very sort of fancy affair, but the bar had a TV in it, so I'm having dinner and my phone keeps ringing. I'm trying to be a good person and not answer my phone in the middle of a dinner. But eventually I said, excuse me, I have to go to the bathroom. And I went and checked my phone. It's my brother-in-law. And he's saying, I don't care what you're doing. You have to put the Mets game on. And so I asked the the bartender at the restaurant to put the game on. And then I spent the next hour just hugging strangers as I was watching <laughs> this game. And my coworker's like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm sorry. I'll be there at the end of the game. Just go go back to dinner. And I sit at the bar in this restaurant and watch the, watch the last four innings or whatever it was. That's, so. that's awesome. That is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, I am a little bit older than you, not a whole lot, but I, I, so I don't, I know of that rivalry of the Mets and the, and the Cardinals in the, you know, late eighties, especially when you go back and forth, uh, that 86 Mets team being so great and 85 and 87 Cardinal teams going to the world series. Yeah. Um, one thing I, it's weird, but one of the, when I think about Cardinals Mets, I also think of the, the 2000, uh, NLCS. Yes. And of course the Mets win the first two games and uh, then Andy Bennis comes up and it steps up and pitches is probably one of the better games of his, especially of the late career to keep the Cardinals alive. Of course it didn't matter. The Mets went on and one and five, but for some reason that stands out. Of course, that's the series, you know, where Kane Hill's throwing wild pitches in game one and right. uh, it just didn't turn out the way that Cardinal fans would have liked, but uh, Bennis stepping up like that kind of has stuck in my memory. Oh yeah. And, and that was a great series. You know, the, those, those were two very good teams and, the unfortunate reality of, of of baseball memory is that I tend to forget about that series because of how heartbreaking the World Series was for Mets mm-hmm. fans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's the way it goes. Similarly, the um the division series in '99 was a great series for the Mets, or the, the wild card series rather. I'm sorry, mm. uh, that, that that was a divisional series. I, I'm <laughs> my terminology is so thrown <laughs> off because of all the changes to the playoff exactly. format that has exactly. happened since then. But you know, yeah. but I never think about that series either because of the way that that ser- season ended. So yeah. yeah, yeah, you you tend to to focus on on the last parts of things and and forget about what happened a little earlier. Um, but there are there are moments in there for sure. Brian, thanks for joining me. Um, it's been fun, and you know, hopefully, we'll have a good weekend of baseball, and then we can get together at some point in time and maybe talk about better teams. That would be a lot of fun. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>